right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Need Some Introduction. Uh, today, we will be covering the fifth episode. We're right in the middle of the third season of Succession. The episode is called The Retired Janitors of Idaho, which is a funny line that comes up. And uh, this episode is full of funny lines. As a matter of fact, most of my notes, and I think this is going to be the conversation framework, is going to be around these really hilarious lines that are spoken. Before we get into all of that, remember to subscribe so you know when we have new episodes available. We are currently recapping Dexter as well, Dexter New Blood. And those episodes, the first two episodes of those dropped over the weekend. And we've already had a bunch of listeners on that. So make sure you catch up on that. Or uh, you're only two episodes behind if you want to give it a try. And beyond that, I will also be covering the Hawkeye show on Disney Plus, which is coming up next week. And if you're interested in that or other Marvel shows, there's also a whole series of episodes where I discussed um, Loki in a previous series as well, right in the same feed. So make sure you search for those. And lastly, of course, if you ever wanted to comment and give us your feedback, we love to hear your feedback and we always respond. So you can reach out to us at needsomeintroduction at gmail.com. So to kick things off, Sona. Yes. How did you like this episode? Do you want to get into the breakdown or do you want to give me your first impressions? I think it was a super fun episode that gave us a lot of, well, I would say insight into the characters, but I think it's more like it reinforced what we already knew about the characters. (laughs) Yeah, I think in a way that would be my criticism. I loved watching this episode. It was just so enjoyable. It started off as like a thriller. I'm like, what are they going to do? How's the vote going to go? And then they totally throw a curveball and they turn it into like literally a slapstick, like screwball comedy. And uh, and I loved it. It was so entertaining. But uh, if I have any criticism at the end, thank you so much for reinforcing, like you mentioned, all these relationships. (laughs) But um, I still don't know. How long are we going to do that? (laughs) Yeah, I still don't know what the shape of this season is. We're in the middle of the season. Right. And I feel like everything is extremely like crystal clear. You have done an incredible job. The show has done of solidifying all these relationships and putting every single piece on the table. And my question is, okay, so what's the move? Like, what, what are we doing now at this point? And, and that would be my only criticism. Uh, I still have a lot of confidence in the writing. I think that they are going to do something with this. I just don't know what that is. I honestly don't know what that's going to be, what the next act is going to be. Right. Okay, so we kick things off. We see that Logan is still recovering. They wrap up his leg. Um, so I guess he probably injured his ankle when he was going on that hike last week. Although it's been four days since then, right? Because we hear at the end of last week that Jerry says we're four days away from the vote. And so now we're voting today, right? So this has been four days since the last episode. I know you love how the, the clip this show moves at Sona, right? Just <laughs> yeah, breakneck pace. <laughs> four days between episodes. <laughs> And then it looks like they're going to the vote, you know, like they've been trying yeah. to negotiate something with Stewie and Sandy, but it hasn't come to fruition. So they're going to the vote, which is where the title comes from, where Roman goes, great, let's leave it up to the retired janitors of Idaho. Mm-hmm. My first quote here, I have so many quotes. I was thinking during this episode, I should start writing them down and I didn't. So I'm happy you went the extra mile on that. <laughs> Oh my God, so many, because I've got to, I put down the timestamps uh, when I watch the show. Sometimes when I rewatch it, this one, it's funny. I oftentimes will stop the show and I will write down a timestamp to say, I want to excerpt this audio for the actual edit. This one, I had to go back again because I was enjoying it so much that I just watched it all the way through and then went back and mm-hmm. pulled out the, 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 the timestamps. Connor goes in, he's threatening, uh, you know, Shiv to say, I need to talk to dad. And he wants to get a bigger deal than she offered him like that kind of food network type mm-hmm. uh, you know last week he wants all of europe mm-hmm. and he basically threatens logan to say well i have a lot of stories about the first yeah. marriage right so is that something i missed because i know you watched it more recently than i did is there a specific story you think he's hinting at or is this just something general like kind of i'm just going to air all your dirty laundry so i think and i didn't think about this at the time but that now that you're asking me on re-examining it I think in one of the prior seasons, there was like a throwaway comment about Connor's mom being in a mental health facility of some sort. Oh, yeah. yeah, Uh, Mm -hmm. So maybe it's related to that, but that's the only specific thing I can pin it to. Yeah, I wonder if that is going to be something that that they add to that or if this is just a way to get Connor in the room with him for this one scene. Right. Kendall meets with Stewie and he says, Stewie, we can make this thing happen. He's Kendall still trying. I mean, he calls himself the puppet master multiple times in this episode, which I find hilarious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He uh, is telling Stewie, I can make this thing happen. And Stewie feels like, you know what? I don't think you have any pull here, but he threatens it, not threatens him, but informs him that uh they're taking this to the vote and stewie's yep. like why would they take this to the vote and this is my second quote here that i loved 
he's 100% ready to take this to a vote. That would be very stupid, Stewie, Ken. I know you guys have been angling for a better deal, and you don't think there's any risk taking this to the brink, but I know for a fact you're not going to get one. He's a psychopathic narcissist. He thinks he can take this to the floor, drag back the undecideds with his beefy Logan voodoo, and win outright. And, you know, I don't know. Who's to say he can't? <laughs> to get everybody... <laughs> I <miss> that line. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And then we start seeing... I don't know if Logan is already starting to degrade here mentally, but uh, Logan, when they're basically saying, okay, we have a deal, it's possible. I guess Stewie takes what Kendall tells him, goes back to Sandy, and now they're more willing to negotiate. And you see that Logan is extremely paranoid and says, what do they know that we don't know? And he says, no, I'm not going to say yes yet. And he deploys his family to feel out the situation. Do you think that he's already, this is already starting to show his mental uh, decline here? Or do you think this is just him being his usual self? I thought it was just him being his usual self. Yeah, I think that at this point, in rewatching it specifically, you know, my initial quotes notes were that he was probably already slipping. But um, but now in watching it again, I don't think it really starts to fall apart <laughs> until really the middle of the episode, which is like this culmination point, which is so hilarious. All the conversations that happen there in the middle. Yeah, but may- maybe, maybe just his paranoia is a, a little bit of a, a hint of what's to come. Yeah, because at that point, had the pill scene happened yet? Yes, the pill scene comes very early. It's when he's arriving okay. at the office, and uh, okay. you know, he, he and basically his assistant tells him, that, "Do you have your pills? Do you have yeah. your pills?" And he says, "Yeah." He like taps his pocket, but of course, you know, as the assistant says later, he has to take the pills, right? He has the- well, no, it's that it's also because you know he sent I, I don't know her name, his admin, you know, whoever, like go go sit there and take the temperature of what's going on, and she says to him, "Okay, then I better give you these." And she oh, hands right. him the bottle of pills. Right. And then I don't know what happens to them after that. Maybe he puts them in the pocket. Maybe he leaves them behind someplace. I mean, clearly he doesn't think he has them because he keeps asking people for them. So, but he does in fact have them somehow. Yeah, we're going to get into all of what that circumstance yeah. is because I talked to Kim about it actually. So I'll give you some f- interesting feedback on that as well. Uh, so then they go, they meet with Sandy and Sandy. This is where Kendall, you know, maybe I think for the first time in the episode, he calls up Shiv and he's like, puppet master out. I love he, how he just has this overinflated view of his position. It's really hilarious. Mm-hmm. Don't they all? <laughs> There's a pattern here that I find very funny. It starts here, but it comes up with the president's conversation later as well, where Roman is saying like, oh, we got to go talk to Sandy. Sandy has syphilis. And, uh, you know, he's probably covered in genital sores and all this like really gross stuff. And Jerry's like, uh, we're the ones who we're the ones who made up that story about him. (laughs) So I find it very funny that Roman twice basically has watched the, you know, ATN has seen the the (laughs) BS story. And he goes, well, that's the fact they said it on TV show. It's like you were in the room when they wrote the rumor. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But he just takes it as fact after the fact once it's out there. Well, on that puppet theme, they do call him a meat puppet at some point, right? Yes, that's a good so, point. Yeah, in this meeting, um, actually, right? He goes, and I think in the end, like by the end of this episode, it's clear that they're all dad's puppets, right? So. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a great line, actually, where, oh, Hope Davis, where, uh, you know, the Sandy, the female Sandy, the daughter, says yeah. at one point, I just do what my dad says. Right. My- dad? And he wants our costs covered mm-hmm. and veto right over any Roy family member ever taking over as CEO. Stewie? That's what the man says. It is a very important protection for us. I feel like I just have to put it right out there, say it, since there's an $85 billion baby on the table here. How do I know that he's not your meat puppet? Oh, I just do what my dad tells me, like you guys. Do you mind if we take a beat? Sure. Yeah, you got tons of time. Seconds, whole minutes. This is something I forgot about until I saw it on the previously on, by the way. I was thinking maybe this actor is having some kind of, you know, physical decline and this is how they wrote him into the show. But I forgot that last season, you know, with the rumors on ATN. And I'm everything, sorry, are you talking about Sandy or Logan? Sandy, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I'm confused with the decrepit the, the older men. They're, yes. <laughs> they're everywhere <laughs> in this episode. The rumors about Sandy's decline. I had actually thought that the actor was um, potentially, you know, that's why they, we hadn't seen him earlier, et cetera. And I forgot that, no, this is written into the show. He's already had this mm-hmm. physical decline began last season. So this is just part of the right. um, trajectory of the character. So we do see him. He's like whispering to um, to his daughter. 
uh, and this is when Roman uh, accuses her of potentially just being <laughs> that he's just a meat puppet that she is, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> say whatever she wants. And uh, that's when she kind of has that little cutting remark going, I just do what my dad says, just like you guys, right? So kind of mm-hmm. saying that they have no power either. One of the caveats in this deal that they're willing to agree to, but then Sandy, Sandy Sr. Uh, throws in there, none of the Logan siblings can ever be called mm-hmm. CEO. And everybody seems way too okay with this, which uh, (laughs) specifically Jerry and Roman. Roman feels very hurt by this. I don't think Logan would say no to that, right? So, And I think that is problematic to these kids who all think that they're lined up for the CEO. They're fighting over the CEO um, position. And potentially in this specific moment, they can lose the company. And even if the company doesn't go under during this vote, they can never become CEO. It's like it's basically what they've all been jockeying for this whole entire time. I mean, there are a lot of things that can be undone in the future. So maybe they thought of it as like, for the sake of getting this agreement done, let's just do it. Although then for the the PJs to be the breaking point would be very strange in perspective of that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this is just speaks to the fact that these like belligerent old men just constantly trying to blow up the deal, even after they have an agreement, they ask for an agreement, they get it, and then they're not happy with it. And that happens multiple times here. And like you mentioned, even when they agree to all this, they're like, okay, well, then we'll get rid of the private checks also. And it's such a petty request. At that point, it's really just an ego trip, right? It's just trying to get them to give a little bit more and a little bit more. It's like um, at a concert, the band who's like, and we only want blue (laughs) (laughs) M&Ms. So then we find out for fact, and I was waiting for this confirmation, Greg did sign the agreement and I've been talking almost every recap episode about how Greg is on my power list. And boy, mm-hmm. this is a very, very bad week for Greg. Oh, he played his hand all wrong. I, all I thought Greg wrong. was more street smart than this. Yeah. He blows wrong. it all up. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so just to be explicit about it, this is another great line here. When um, Kendall says, I'm going to have to burn you. I'm going to have to burn you. Sorry. I know you threw your lot in with the company, but I'm going to have to burn you. And don't worry, they're probably just going to uh, use you up and throw you away because they're just going after bigger fish and they'll push up. Look, I'm still not saying I will burn you. All I'm saying is I might burn you. It's a margin call. And just how bad will the burning be? I mean, even as I ask that, I can tell it's not going to be. You'll probably be fine. They don't want to send bottom feeders to prison. They'll probably just fuck you and chuck you to get to the red meat. Uh Uh-huh. Great. Or you drop from the joint defense. Yeah. They want to get the dad, right? So, um, and which is, everything he tells him, by the way, and Kendall's definitely being petty here, but everything he tells him is legit. And Kendall is playing the card he has, and he's playing hardball, and he's asking him to basically just break it off with yeah. the agreement yeah so kendall is playing his cards properly this is not yeah right. greg had to know this was going to happen right well he didn't and that's just his I, naive, I, naive right. I thought greg was smart enough to know this was going to happen <laughs> and then his grandfather finds out about this and uh his grandfather cuts him off too says he's going to like give away his uh his stake of the business to greenpeace <laughs> yes which leads later in the episode to this whole conversation where Greg is trying to find out, can he sue his grandfather? No, he can't. Affectionately. <laughs> Affectionately. <laughs> so he doesn't, he doesn't want to alienate him or anything. You know, he still loves him, but he's suing him. And it turns out he can't sue him over his inheritance <laughs> while he's alive, which would make sense, of course. Right. And, uh, and But he could potentially sue Greenpeace, although that's probably not the best way, not the best optics. Either. Right. And that leads to Tom's great follow-up line. Who's next? Save the children? <laughs> right. Uh, so he does meet with his grandfather and his grandfather kind of tells him everything and he tries to be like very cavalier like hey maybe i'll run this old guy around the block again and his dad's his grandfather's like uh that you know this is like a close friend of mine i tried to help you out it, his, his grandfather's basically having no part of it and hey i totally sympathize his grandfather's making the right call here i think no and, and that line which i which i remember even though i did not write it down because i had to look up the meaning of the word uh your life is not a bagatelle and I had to look up what Bagatelle meant, which means like something frivolous. And I yep. think that was a, a smart message from the older generation, right? Of like, stop playing games with something that is important. Honestly, this is, it wasn't until I was taking notes for this recap conversation we were going to have that I think that this might be, even though, you know, I've been kind of betting on Greg this whole time and I feel like they're setting him up for something. And then I'm like, wow, they blew it all up. Like this was just a bait and switch in a way on the part of the writers. But I think the moment when the grandfather says to him, not only that, telling him, don't be frivolous, on top of that, he explicitly says right before they cut away, 
you need to take yourself seriously, kid, right? That's what mm-hmm. it basically just puts it all on the line. And uh, I wonder, we have said this a whole bunch of times, Greg has a really strong hand to play here. I wonder if this is a turning point in the show where Greg starts Maybe. to get his ducks in a row because he has a lot of power here, right? Yes. So, uh, and maybe that's what's happening. Maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe. As a single episode, boy, (laughs) he gets slapped around. Oh, yeah. And I was talking to Kim about this right after she watched it. She watched it like a day after I did. And I was thinking about like, what a bad circumstance he's in. Kendall can easily throw him under the bus. It could be a a play that, you know, pushes up and gets somebody that he really wants to target in trouble. And, you know, without his grandfather's support, now he's back in the fold with the rest of the Roys, the internal lawyers, the Royco, are going to be way more focused on protecting Shiv and Logan Uh and, you know, all the C-level folks. They're not going to give a crap about Greg. Greg's the first one they're going to throw. He's he's chum, right? So it's a terrible play on his part. But but let's see if he can take himself seriously and, and, and figure this out next week. Soon. All right. So at first I was like, did, did Logan have another stroke? What's happening? This is when, you know, he's really starts yes. to show a serious mental de- degradation. And it turns out we've been hinting at it already. It turns out that he has a UTI and I'm like, okay, listen, yeah, first of all, yeah, no one refers to Advil as pills. So right. what is with that guy? He kept begging him for pills and he keeps bringing him Advil and Tylenol. Those are in the Kleenex level of like, no one just uses like, I would like some facial tissues. Obviously, Logan is responsible for his own health. But like when the head of the whole place is asking you for pills and you're not sure what he means, you should really be nailing that down. No, you need an antibiotic. And this is actually strangely timely, right? Because this is just what happened to Bill Clinton a few weeks ago. Oh, I didn't realize that. That was why he was, uh, wow. He had a UTI and then I think that spread and it became like a septic kidney situation, I think. And that's how he ended up in the hospital. I knew he was in hospital for sepsis. I didn't realize it started with a UTI. Yeah. But, but what's interesting about this was I'm like, uh, I said to Kim, I'm like, is it possible? Is it true? Because I mean, like, you know, I, I've, I think I've had a UTI in the past and I just drank a lot of fluids. And uh, and obviously, my you know, she's had UTIs. I mean, it's pretty commonplace. Isn't that just like you just need to drink a lot of water <laughs> to, to, uh, resi- to resolve that and potentially get antibiotics if it gets severe? And she said, no, when you have a older person who shows up in the hospital and they're demented, the first thing you check them for is a UTI. The first thing. So I'm like, wow, so I did not realize that UTIs were such a problem for, uh, for older folks. Yeah. I mean, I definitely am quite familiar with having a UTI and I myself ended up in the hospital with a kidney wow. infection once wow. from an untreated UTI. But I feel my mental faculties remain stable. That's what I was saying time. to Kim. I was no, saying the same thing. I'm like, I'm like, I don't think you lose your mental faculties. And apparently it does happen when you're older, which is very strange. I didn't, that, that's just a weird fact of life that I was not aware the of. The bacteria until this or something, something somehow affects your brain. Yeah, I didn't do the full research on it, but I did want to confirm that with her. Yeah. Going like, isn't this a little exaggerated? And she goes, no, it's the first thing you check for. I'm like, really? Holy cow. <laughs> I had no so interesting. So yeah, so this UTI is getting to his brain. Obviously, he's uh, piss mad, as they say later, <laughs> which apparently they're familiar with. That's the other thing that's funny that they're kind of familiar with this condition. But um, anyway, he blows up the deal. He, he and uh, at first they don't realize that he's piss mad. <laughs> so they're just like, okay, he's blowing up the deal. That's what he says. All right, fine. For somebody who's such a central figure in their lives, like you're not paying attention to him enough to realize something is off. I also think that that was a little bit of a social commentary here. Is this idea that they're illustrating again? Uh, you know, they talk about how like Reagan uh, had a UTI and almost uh, went to war <laughs> with mm-hmm. uh, the Soviet Union. You know, it makes you think about like how we have, you know, in the West, the capitalist West, all of these figureheads are in their 70s, in their 80s, in their 90s, like ancient folks who are like the most powerful, richest people in the world who are calling all the shots. And like they're one UTI away from blowing up <laughs> our entire economy. And you think about Sandy and Logan as these two uh, ancient figureheads that have all this power, but are like maybe not mentally sound <laughs> and, and all these decisions are being made around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, by the way, just in the greater context of that, we basically, I think we try not to do too much political commentary here, but there is an argument to be made that we just lived through four years of that situation. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that there is, yeah. And, and I think- Luckily to the sh- we all survived. <laughs> true, true. And At least I think- most of us. I mean, some people didn't, which is a whole other thing. But, well, yeah, yeah, see, we think about the, the death toll in yes. the past couple of years. High body count on that for you. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Considering we were not technically engaging, starting a war or anything like that. <laughs> exactly. It killed more people than a war, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
but yeah, I think that that is to the show's credit that this is subtext in a lot of what yeah. we're seeing here without it being overt, which is smart yeah. because, you know, you want the show to hold up on its own. Yeah. And, uh, and I know friends of mine who are like hardcore Republicans who love this show and I don't think they read it over read into it. Um, you know, that, that subtext at all. Um, so he's to, to the show's credit that they they're able to separate those things out, but I definitely think it's in the, you know, fine print here. I mean, the fact that there's like a Fox News analog and oh, like, sure. you know, sure. there's a lot that points in that direction, but yeah. Oh, but like, I mean, you go back to the creators of the movie he made, In the Loop, which was also that he created that movie, wrote it, and it was directed by the creator of Veep. But anyway, if you ever see that movie, In the Loop, which I highly recommend, if you like this show, you should definitely watch that. It, this is in Britain that takes place, that it's a press conference that goes badly. And because the press conference goes badly, and then all these politicians are trying to cover up their screw-ups, the things they mm-hmm. said, just trying to cover their tracks on stupid things they said during the press conference, they inadvertently almost start a war. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's pretty funny, but uh, maybe not that far off from the truth. Right. <laughs> then we actually have Chekhov's bagel here where, um, you know, early on, they mentioned that- uh, to Oh Kendall, my gosh, the poor bunny. <laughs> that they're going to feed the bagel. The kids want to feed bagel to <laughs> the bunny. And the lady's like, I don't think you're supposed to feed him bagel. I looked it up on the internet. Yeah. And he goes, it's just a little <laughs> bit. How much harm can it do? But of course, the, the rabbit has not taken well to the bagel. <laughs> and um, the line that I wrote down is uh, that he says, why don't you call my personal doctor? <laughs> yeah. And she's like, call a doctor for about the rabbit. And he says, if he could do people, he could do rabbits. <laughs> I think we've all had that experience with a boss telling us to do something that makes no oh, sense. Sure. And that of tone course. of voice of like, but isn't that a doctor for people? Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. like you're kind of scared to raise it. And that actually, that idea comes up again, right? Where I'm sorry, I know I'm jumping all over the place here. There's just so much um, yes. that ties together, I guess, in this episode, but with the call from the president where the admin is like watching them all bicker and she's trying to gently be like, you understand this is the president. We right. should not keep him waiting. Can we just go with something here? Like that feeling, right. That we've all had talking to a boss who is like not focusing on the right thing and trying to gently redirect them. So as you not to upset them. <laughs> oh my God. If there's anybody, there's so many handlers around them in the periphery in this episode specifically, like everybody we've seen in the show, you know, in one scene or two scenes are suddenly all here in the same room together at the same time. And to your point, you could watch this whole show again and just look at their faces. Like they yeah. are so frustrated. <laughs> they're rolling their eyes. And like you said, they're just like, how do I manage this idiot who yes. has his without, life in my bal- in the balance? Yes. Right? So. <laughs> without offending their delicate sensibilities exactly. and sending them on some kind of, into some kind of rage. <laughs> Going back to the idea of, you know, the, the administration we just exited from, it's like this idea of like, how do you keep this to- this toddler from throwing a mm-hmm. tantrum and like throwing the world into chaos? <laughs> and, exactly. Uh, yeah, and then that's your day to day. Congratulations. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yes, it's true. We've all dealt with it for sure. Uh, another line I have here that I love is, that is great is when um, Sandy calls to say maybe they can still make a deal, and uh, to which uh, I forget is, is it Frank? I forget one of the uh, um, characters asks which Sandy, <laughs> to mm-hmm. which Jerry says the one that can talk. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. So now, uh, first of all, I didn't realize that Carl was a CFO. <laughs> just like, just picture him just eating sandwiches. I, all the time. Either. <laughs> I, I literally put a question mark. Like, Carl's the CFO? Question mark? What? Well, uh, wasn't and, there? Yeah. No, Roman was COO, right? COO, right, right. COO, there was no which, time there. Which I was not sure that was his title until once again, okay. this moment when they, you know, called him out as a COO specifically. And when they called out Carl as a CFO, I was kind of surprised. I didn't realize that. And my next note, I just write down, poor Frank. <laughs> Frank has to stand up there and just stretch, talk stretch. and stretch and stretch for hours and hours and hours on it. <laughs> my next note is also a quote. It's when Stewie calls Kendall and uh, Kendall's like, is this really going to happen? Is, is, are they really going to like blow up this whole deal just for the private jets? And Stewie says, we are a complicated coalition and Sandy is the angriest vegetable. <laughs> The belligerent He's, eggplant or zucchini. something like that. It's a belligerent zucchini. zucchini. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this is just really getting worse and worse. And then we're pretty sure at this point, we, we start to realize for sure, certain that Logan is like really 
off his rocker. Uh, Tom has to keep taking him to uh, the bathroom. <laughs> Unbelievable, by the way, that they would let this situation occur with the bathroom being so far away. That is like a failure of administ- uh, admin duties there. That's a ridiculous situation, but okay. <laughs> and then he asks Tom to be the one who escorts him to the bathroom. And Tom really takes to this, right? He, he says, uh, thank you, son, at one point. And, yes. uh, and Tom's like, oh, it's okay, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> He's like so desperate for this familial. Uh, but when he takes to the bathroom, he asks him if he needs him to hold the scepter. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is definitely one of those situations where you're like, you say yes, because what else can you say? And then you're right. like, what the hell am I supposed to be doing here? So <laughs> you're trying to be helpful and not overstep. And like, it, it's it, it's a dicey situation. So I get where Tom was coming from. <laughs> Now, this is the centerpiece of the episode here, and it's so crazy. It starts with that whole situation in the bathroom. Then he comes back. He calls Shiv Marsha, so he's confusing her. Shiv starts to say, oh, my God, what's happening? We're making decisions, and he's piss mad. He's got a fucking UTI. What? Seriously? Well, is that, I mean, no, it's not that fucking serious, right? What, at his age? That could make you crazy. Reagan had one and nearly nuked Belgium. Fuck, what? How long has he... How long has he been like this? Was he like this when he said no? When he risked the whole company? No one hears about this. Uh, go look after him. Tom. Tom. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah. What do we do? He has a UTI. UTI? Yeah, yeah somebody has to call a doctor. Can we just give him some cranberry yeah. juice and ask he him about the deal again? Just asking for Caroline. Oh, fuck. He's pissed mad. No, but, you know, he was he was in really good shape when he offered me European cable. When did he say that? Because he was definitely out of it when he said that. No, he was cogent at that I point. I can guarantee you he wasn't. It sounds like he's been out of it for a while. Okay, you know, we don't actually know that, okay? What about the phone call he took? Maybe the decision he made is the right decision. We actually oh. don't know when he went piss mad. We that, don't know. No, that could have been anything. That could have been robocall or fucking yeah. urologist. No, no, no. I suspect that he's been piss mad for quite a while. Oh, oh do you? The fucking Hercule Poirot of fucking piss over here. Jeff, do you, should you overrule him? Go back to Sandy and Stewie and say we've changed our mind. Yeah, I think you should totally do that. Dad loves well, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, do no, it. Do it. Do overrule that. him. We can't do that. Um, guys, he, he's says he still needs to make his speech. Uh, what, what do you think? Can he do the speech? Can, can, can he, he do the speech? The demented fucking piss mad king of England? He could say anything. He could tell everyone his Barbara Streisand. No, I think we have to we have to drop it, right? Okay. But at the very least, he should be on stage. It would be great to get the body up there. Okay, we push it as late as we can. And maybe if we just get him on stage, that'll be enough? Oh yeah, sure, maybe. Send him up through a trap door surrounded by dry eyes. Um, Where's this doctor anyway? He's, he's concerned there is a dead cat under his chair. Oh, great. Okay. Is there anything uh, under his chair? Greg. No. Oh, okay, great. Get that to Yeah, he seems insistent that, okay. uh, he says that uh, he doesn't want Rose to see it and he wants Colin to take it out. Uh, fine, have Colin take it out. Okay. Good. Thanks, thanks, Hugo. Thank you. Oh, okay. Oh, the doctor's on his way. Why the fuck didn't you mention this before, huh? Um, he didn't want anyone to know. Okay, well, that's worked out well, hasn't it? Oh, fuck. Oh, great. Hey, um, who invited you? So Thanks. What the fuck is going on? It's fine. We uh, got it on. You squashing the deal? You have it. to turn this around right now. We got yeah. this under control, yeah. okay? We're figuring it out. Thank you for what? your concern. Yeah, in my back. Yeah, it's in the back. What's happening? Is Doctor on the way? What the, what the fuck okay? is going on? It's fine. It's all right. What Can is that? Leave, please. That is an imaginary cat. Now, could you please fuck off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like totally nonchalant that's an imaginary cat nothing to see here <laughs> and then jerry walks out on stage to be like frank you need to stretch more and, and frank's like jerry <laughs> our president is here to give you some feedback someone to save me <laughs> exactly jerry's like screw you man he's already up there for hours at this point so uh one of the suggestions is should we call the bomb threat that's <laughs> one possible way to to, to to try to get out of the circumstances <laughs> And then we have the whole situation in the midst of all this. Then the president calls and needs to, needs to talk to Logan. Logan, of course, is no condition to be talking to anybody. Uh, I think Jerry tries to make amends here by saying, oh, well, if there's anybody here who should be speaking as a surrogate for Logan, it should be Roman. Maybe this is her making amends for, you know, they had mm-hmm. kind of an ugly. Uh, Throwing him under the bus in his view. Earlier on, right? So this might yeah. be her making amends. They're trying to get him back on her side. She even says some complimentary things later. Yeah. But at the same time, you have like uh, Connor wants to talk to the president. So it's like, I mean, maybe her options were pretty limited. <laughs> Although, I mean, I guess <laughs> she could have been. Jerry herself could have taken the call. So I think like her deferring to Roman in a way 
Although he doesn't take it well. He's like freaking out when he first takes the call, but he does settle into it. Into it. He, it's he very cute, actually, yeah. as he's like waving his arms around while he's talking yeah. to the president. He's hands up. Yeah, he's freaking out. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then, but you do see him settle in uh, as the conversation proceeds and he kind of gains his confidence. And, you know, I think that kind of, in a way, does win him back Jerry. So in a way, it's tough love, but in the other way, it's probably a play on Jerry's part to keep him- and- on our side. And there was a little aside too. I don't remember if it happens here, but I think it happens around here where Roman is talking about this idea again, that I think we can all relate to of kind of like an imposter uh, imposter uh, syndrome kind of feeling of like, can I do this job? Am I qualified to this job to do this job? Well, I'm here and I'm doing these things and nothing seems to be going wrong. So I guess I'm doing this job. Exactly. So, exactly. Right. Which is very relatable. Uh, you know, that's part of the tough love part of this as well. So, um, you know, uh, uh, and I think it's working within that relationship between the two of them. You know, when, when he gets off the phone, I love his reaction where he says, well, it turns out the president is not going to run again. And the reason is because the media and he's like us <laughs> have blown this whole thing out of proportion. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and he does, you know, this kind of this rumor about him being demented. And I totally forgot about this two years ago when they had the first vote that then Shiv was working on that Bernie Sanders-like campaign. Yes. So that election came very quickly after this meeting. So this assumption here is not that they're talking about an election that's coming in many years. It's that upcoming election. So we're probably within a month. And now you have the front runner, theoretically, uh, stepping away from the campaign, right? And I guess that's, uh, you know, jumping ahead a little bit. But in the scenes from next week, we see that they are picking a new theoretically Republican candidates to run instead of the, this current president. It would be interesting to see uh, how that plays out because, of course, they're very concerned with losing the president. The DOJ investigation is not going to get lightened up. Yeah. Yeah. When you have the president saying, screw you, you ruined my life. I'm pretty sure yeah. he's not going to tell the DOJ to back off their investigation. <laughs> no. And I, I think, wasn't there even a comment there of like, have fun with the DOJ or something like that? I thought there was, but maybe I'm remembering wrong. I mean, one way or the other, <laughs> they, yeah. they are not in a good position. Yeah. <clears throat> Oh, and of course, uh, the last thing I mentioned here in this whole interaction is that Connor was like, I can't believe I was about to take all of Europe television and I would have missed this opportunity to be the next president of the United States. So mm-hmm. Connor is completely bonkers with this. Mm-hmm. But maybe Connor does end up being president. We'll see how that all plays out. That would be pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. All right. So then Shiv meets with Sandy and she gets a deal in place and she kind of winks. And Sandy seems open to this. Don't you think that she, there's, there might be an alliance here where they're saying, well, you know, maybe you get a seat for me. And yep. uh, so do you think that this is something that will develop? I think they are like-minded, but you see what happens at the end with yeah. her explaining what happened to Logan. And it seems like she's already understanding that it might not work out that way. Yeah. I, I wonder how that's all going to play out considering what we see in this episode and also in the scenes coming for the next episode. Now, I want to get your read on this whole thing. We have this whole interaction where Tom's like, oh, you got the deal. Good job, Shiv. And uh, let's grab the hotel. Let's get a room here and just, you know, hook up so that, you know, I can impregnate you, basically. <laughs> yeah, yes. The first thing I found very funny was just Shiv's comment to Tom going like, well, you know, we can go back to the apartment. We have rooms that we haven't yeah. fully walked into yet, <laughs> which is, yeah. I wish I had an apartment like that. You know, she freaks out when he's basically been tracking her menstrual cycles and stuff. So this is a little bit creepy. How do you read all this? You know, he, he basically is calling out to her. It's, this is supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be a nice thing. How do you feel about this? Is he pushing her? Is he, is he just trying to, you know, he's so afraid of going to jail that he thinks that like a kid is going to bind him to the family more? I read it as he is so afraid of going to jail that he is trying to create this anchor between him and Shiv and between him and the family. And he also knows that Shiv won't hesitate to go outside the marriage. Right. So when he's, and that's when he's physically there. So right. when he's physically not there, who knows what could happen. So at least if she's pregnant and then taking care of a newborn, she'll be a little bit busy. Yeah. I don't know how big of like a, you know, strategic thinker he is, but I can't imagine that he's so utterly naive that he thinks that she's committed to him. I mean, I think she's pretty, he's pretty clear that he isn't that confident about that. But to your point, I could imagine that if he throws himself to the wolves on their behalf, by the way, and says, I'll take the bullet, uh-huh. I'll take all the blame and I get some kind of payout. How does Shiv pursue this persona she has of being the, the good one in the family or try to go back into politics, let's say theoretically, when all the dirt is going to be stuck on her husband? 
she could very easily let him go to jail and then get a divorce. And then yeah. she's like, oh, I didn't know that was happening, right? He could totally yeah. get lose everything, like everything, right? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have a much uh, power play there. So I, I think it's very strange that he kind of offered himself up a couple episodes ago to take the blame for all this. The only way he gets out of this thing uh, unscathed is to turn evidence against the family because they will definitely feed him to the wolves. <laughs> There's no reason they would not. Yeah. I agree. I think, you know, Tom, in the end, as much as he is attracted to the wealth and enjoys it and all the benefits it brings, and I don't think he would ever willingly give it up. There's the part of the the Wisconsin part of him or wherever it is in the Midwest he's from. That's like, so I marry a nice girl and have a nice family. Right. Oh, I think he definitely has that. And he, I think he is probably this kind of simple guy. And this is probably what she liked about him too. He's kind of easy to fool, but also earnest and kind of sees an idealized version of her that, you know, Mm -hmm. she doesn't probably even see in herself anymore. But at the same time, I think, like you said, he has that aspect of him, but he has to know who she is and has to see that this family has basically burned anybody they can to Mm -hmm. protect themselves. And Mm -hmm. he would easily be burned. He's not blood. He's not tied to them in any way other than this relationship with Shiv. And what ties him to Shiv? They've just gotten married, right? Months ago. Right. And he probably thought he was winning a lottery ticket when they, this thing started. Yeah. Like who could yep. have aspired to more? He became like the, the CEO or the whatever of the uh, the parks, like president of the parks division. Right. Like he never could have expected to achieve that in his lifetime. And look where it's gotten him now, right? So, mm-hmm. all right. So now Logan has been you know, <laughs> flooded with uh, antibiotics and fluids. <laughs> and he is back uh, in, in his normal mind. And he is not happy with how all this has gone. He's like, okay, great. We lost the president. The DOJ is going to be way more aggressive. They've been trying to hide this thing, you know, from Stewie. I mean, I guess Stewie knows that there's a DOJ investigation, but maybe the extent of it. And now with the president not running, you know, I mean, I think that's a huge problem with this deal is that Stewie and Sandy have got to be making some kind of cost risk analysis where they're saying, well, at least they have like the president in their in his pocket, right? Now, they don't know what's happening over the course of this day. So the company's more precarious than ever. I am pretty sure that if all of that was had come out into the open, the president had literally come out and said, I'm not running again because of what ATN did and blah, blah, blah. And the DOJ you know, uh, investigation is going to continue unabated. Take that to the vote they're in a much more weakened position. So the fact that Logan is so angry that this deal went through when so easily this thing could have gone to a vote and they could have lost the vote and lost everything. And he does not take any appreciation of this at all. Like, how how do you feel about Logan's reaction here at the end? First, um, just going back to how they got there. Yeah. I think it also brings you back to, maybe this is just like, um, speaks to my um, toxic work history or whatever. But um, (laughs) the idea of like, crap, I have to make this really big decision. And the person that is normally dictating what to do is not available. And what would this person do? How much am I going to piss them off if I make the wrong decision? Like what? Like, I mean, that stress is tremendous. So as much as I don't like all of these people, I sympathize that they have gone through this because I know (laughs) not on that level that they're dealing with, but I know on some level what it's like, and it is tremendously stressful to try and guess what is going to upset your insane boss the least. So so I feel for them. It just reiterates that dysfunctional relationship that he has with his kids of them constantly seeking his approval and him essentially purposefully withholding it for whatever reason, you know, and here as much as I just like should, and that's a lot. I felt for her here because her pain was palpable Mm -hmm. at like seeking her father's approval and him literally dismissing her as a fly buzzing in his ear. Yep. Like that was clearly, um, the actress did a wonderful job at conveying how painful it was for her to be so sure that he was going to congratulate her on a job well done. And then he just dismisses her and says he would have done it better without even giving any no practical explanation of what that was. So like yep. very easy to say, you would have done it different. You would have done it better. But if you can't put up or shut up, then what? Right. You know? um, it's just a way to withhold his approval, probably the umpteenth time in her life, right? Exactly what you just said. As much as I don't sympathize with Shiv, I sympathize with her here because I think it's such a universal feeling you have of yes. her 
looking for that acceptance. You probably wouldn't say that to your boss, but you know, because it's your dad, you'll be like, okay, well then what would you have done? And like you said, not Mm -hmm. that, that's his answer. Not that that's all. Yeah. Even though, like I just said a moment ago, if all the cards were on a table and you knew that the president had just called and says, you are going to get screwed by the DOJ. Now, Stewie and Sandy might want to walk away. They might want to walk away and you could still go to the board and the board can simply say no confidence. Now, without a deal on the table, you could still lose all of your titles, right? Mm-hmm. Who knows what happens to the company at that point? You might have to mm-hmm. liquidate it, right? And all that stuff happening that he has no appreciation for that at all. He's just like, I would have done better. I would yep. have done better. With no details, I would have done better. And then when she says, so what would you have done? Tell me, dad, what would you have done? He's like, I would have made it work. And like you said, I'm sure we've all had that experience, whether in our interpersonal relationships or at work, you didn't do a good job. I would have done a better job. No details. I just would have done better than you. Um, You know, and it's like, well, then why was I there doing it? And by the way, you know, this thing went through, we didn't lose the company and you, like she said, were totally out of it. You weren't here at all. Yes. You, were, you know, uh, 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 you know, you were a body on, in a chair this whole entire time. And the company survived somehow. And he doesn't appreciate any of this, none of it. So it's 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 really cruel. And I did feel sympathy for her, especially when he's like, well, you stop buzzing in my ear. Yes. Dad, you were AWOL. What would, what would you have done then? Not that. Okay, but what would you have done? I'd have figured it out. Time to think on next moves. Uh, don't you want to just savor this moment for a minute? To you know, we came out of this alive. Shiv, I'm trying to talk to Jerry about something important. Stop buzzing in my fucking ear. Well, someone is feeling better. <laughs> uh, here's to us. Her reaction to it when she says, well, somebody's feeling better, which is like, I've seen that in my lifetime so many times, like in an abusive relationship or something, you know, someone gets drunk at a bar and something really ugly happens. And all of a sudden you have the woman standing there going like, well, someone's feeling better today, you know, and you just feel horrible for them. Right. It's like so cringeworthy. And, um, and that's basically that moment we see it's really, really awkward. As much as I think Shiv is more talk than she is substance in this particular situation, she did concoct the final agreement that saved it all, right? Of coming up with the extra seats and all of that. Like she did do that. And that is something she can, I think, legitimately lay claim to. And you see that just from the look on her father's face, she's already backpedaling like, oh, the seat was for me because we talked about doing that, right? Right. Or it could be Roman or somebody else. Just from the look on his face, she already knows that he's unhappy with it. And this one thing that she finally managed to claim for herself, that was her idea that she came up with and fought for, she's already backing off of it because she can see her father doesn't approve. Now that you said that, it just makes me think about the fact that what we see in this episode is these kids, minus Connor, by the way, who um, <laughs> who's never really in contention anyway, but minus Connor, where all the kids have proven in this episode that they do have the chops if they needed to, right? Kendall, and I got to go back to Kendall because I missed something, which is when Kendall comes out on stage. But before we get to that, (laughs) specifically to that point, Kendall did put this thing together. This Mm -hmm. deal only exists because of the groundwork he laid with Stewie and Sandy earlier Mm -hmm. on, right? Regardless Mm -hmm. of what Stewie and Sandy think of him today, this thing is put together by him, right? So Mm -hmm. he did that and he deserves credit from us in the fact that he pulled that off. But of course, by the end of the episode, and we'll talk about it in a minute, he does some pretty stupid things, right? And to your point, Shiv is like, I don't have the experience. I don't know. Like she's literally second guessing herself all the time. But in the end, in that room, she said what she needed to say. And she even used her persona, this persona of like being a feminist, being maybe more liberal, which might be all baloney, but it is the persona she has. And she leverages it to get the deal across the line. So she does have that. And Roman also gets on the phone with the president. I can't do this. And by the end, he's very confident on the phone with him, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the only thing they needed to be able to come to this confident point was to take the dad off the table, right? And, yes. like, and the fact that they can't do this for themselves, like to your point, you know, how I'm sympathetic to the family for being in this toxic relationship. And you've brought it up multiple times during our recaps that it's like, they need to walk away from this relationship if they want to, you know, and they have the ability of doing this, but it's like being in an abusive relationship. It's like you keep doubling down instead of walking away. But to that point, Kendall has orchestrated all this. He gives himself way too much credit, but 
he has the win. He's got the win, but he can't take the win and walk away. He's got to walk out on that stage. Oh my God. I was like, my notes was just like, oh no, Kendall exclamation point. Like, what are you doing? Oh my God. Tom's comment is he's not even wearing a tie. <laughs> I miss that. That's it. That's all his takeaway is. He's not even wearing a tie. <laughs> that would make it all okay if he was wearing a tie. But uh, what about this whole thing where like literally his handlers are telling him, you know, there's some power in not being on the stage, right? And, and I think he cannot accept that fact. He cannot accept the fact that if the f- family is pinwheeling out of control and he has shepherded this deal, and I'm probably, I'm sure it's the rumor that he's been shepherding this deal with Stewie meeting with Sandy. I mean, it's probably in the Wall Street Journal or whatever, or their version of it in this show. And instead of being like, I am the puppet master, I'm pulling the strings, I'm so powerful, you don't even have to see me. He's got to walk on a stage and being like, I'm going to start a foundation for all the women who've been sexually assaulted by my family's company. And oh my God. Mm-hmm. And they cut off his mic. It's 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 just a humiliation to him. Yes. That he could have had a clear win today. And yes. in the public perception, no one would have seen how sloppy this was behind the scenes. Yes. And he can't. He's got to make himself fool of himself on stage. <laughs> oh, Kendall. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, one last thing on that, uh, the whole interaction between Logan and Shiv. Shiv then goes and Tom does give her a hug. And Tom's like, I'm not trying to hump you. I just want to yes. give you a hug. <laughs> yes. But he does give her a hug. He does do the right thing there. But more importantly is Roman runs over to Logan, uh-huh. starts coddling, starts coddling Logan. And he's like, is she being a bitch? And it's just I, like, you know that this is the same toxic relationship that's been yep. And that's read in them that idea mm-hmm. of like who's in favor and who is disfavored right right and you know like look for that moment that you are in favor and capitalize on it while the others are being disfavored i mean it's very twisted yeah oh my god so twisted you know then we see that kendall gets a call the or her his assistant gets a call from logan saying i want to meet with you and then of course this is so unbelievably petty by the way that logan <laughs> his his once again this idea of like leave well enough alone. Logan just be like, screw you. I'm out. But he does it. He's like, oh, go into that room. I want to have a conversation with you. And then he leaves just to be like, yeah, I made you wait on me. And that didn't show up. And then when Kendall calls him back to be like, hey, what's up? That's so probably tell him like, I can't believe how petty you're being dad. Logan says to his assistant, "Uh, block this number permanently. Yeah. Do you think that that has been his position from day one this season? And he's only been playing along because he's trying to potentially win this vote. And now that the vote is out, he's like, I'm done. I don't need any more of this. So my point is, do you think today is what made Logan decide to cut ties with Kendall? Or was he always like, Kendall's dead to me. I just need to get past this vote and then we're good. I actually see Logan as like kind of what I was just talking about, just constantly vacillating on who the right kid is, who the best kid is, who the smartest kid is. And I think it's just like, you know, everybody gets their turn in that spot. And right now, Kendall is in the disfavored column. Uh, I don't see it as something that was like, I I mean, I think he's been in that spot before. He'll be in that spot again. I I don't see it as something that is like a permanent decision for Logan. I think he's just acting out of anger at this point. What do you think? I felt the same way, but then I was thinking what Kendall did this week is not that egregious compared to some of the stuff previously. So I was trying to think about like, why is this the cutoff point? And I'm like, I think it was the vote. Basically the deal's been done. His, the way it's set up now, Kendall needs this deal to happen. Once again, Kendall's in the same boat with them, but despite the fact that he has broken allegiances, he's not on the Stewie uh, ship. He's on the, the Roy ship. And honestly, whether he'll admit it or not, the family did come together and maybe the deal got what, like one more seat on the board, maybe something like that. And the board, the size of the board could change over time with enough votes anyway. Right. It's pretty inconsequential what they gave up, which he supposedly is so upset about. So I think deep down inside, he knows that they were able to take care of things without Kendall around. So I think he's just thinking to himself, I don't need him. He's not loyal to me. He tried to make this play. He is not aligned with Stewie. He's aligned with us. And within the family, he has no power right now. So I'm just like, I don't need him anymore. And and I think he's just cutting him off. And I think that that was probably not his plan the whole time, but I think that he's probably been coming to this decision for a while now. That's an interesting perspective. I'm not sure, though, I agree that he has no power, given that this whole thing that blew up everything is, yeah, with the DOJ and everything else is ongoing. 
I'm not sure that this is, I, I think it's a risk to burn that bridge right now. I agree that I think it's a risk, but only because I think that Logan is playing the odds that Kendall is not going to basically reveal all this information and get it to the DOJ and blow this whole thing up. His money, his power is still tied to Royco, right? If Royco goes belly up and if the board comes along, liquidates the business, uh, sells it off to somebody else and cuts them off from any kind of power. I mean, I guess they still make money. I mean, they're still going to sell their stock and make millions, billions of dollars potentially. I don't know if that's what they're happy with. <laughs> their, their ambitions are much higher than that. The Kendall is not necessarily mentally stable. That's that I agree. That's what's going to be my final point. Logan is still dealing with him as if he's rational, and I'm not sure he's rational, right? And, and yeah. to that point, we could segue right into the upcoming scenes because we see that Kendall is being interviewed by the DOJ. So he's shown up for this interview and apparently he's not wanting to answer questions. So that's not really how it works. <laughs> so <laughs> the last thing I was going to mention is more than ever, and I know you've made this comment many times, but more than ever, I find it so hard to sympathize with anybody in this show. They are so like, everybody has done such terrible <laughs> things here. They're all like, just specifically just go down the line and they're all just terrible, terrible, terrible people. <laughs> yes, so, they really are. <laughs> and it's, but I think it's so intentional that at this point, it's like, you know, not only do we see all these different alliances and it's so funny that you see everybody has their own agendas and they're trying to make this thing work and there's all this suspense, but at the same time, you don't like any of these people. You don't care about any of these people, but it still is riveting for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and there you have succession. <laughs> exactly. That's the whole show in a nutshell. Exactly. So yeah, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it was a fun one for sure. Yeah. And then we'll see what happens next week. They're going to be picking out the next president of the United States, or they hope they have that kind of power. And of course, we're going to see uh, Kendall at the DOJ. So we'll see mm -hmm. how that all plays out. Just a bit of legal trivia. You can yes. never take a break when a question is pending. So you think at that one, they had asked a really uh, compelling question and you see the panic look on his face. And I thought like, well, can't ask for a break now. Oh, is that how it works? Yep. Can never take a break when a question is pending. Wow. Interesting. See, didn't know that. That's, that's the kind of insight we bring you to the show <laughs> <Yeah>. for. <laughs> that's the, the value add that I bring here. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? <clears throat> no, I don't think so. That pretty much covers it. How about you? That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> all right. I will talk to you soon. Have a good uh, vacation. Thank you so much. No problem. Talk Bye. to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.